Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome, Nationals fans. Hopefully you've peeled yourselves off the ceiling after today's game. I'm your host, Blake Finney, and I was also struck out by Max Scherzer three times today. Joining me this week is one of our other contributors at District On Deck, Brian Foley. How are you doing, Brian? Uh, Much better, Blake, especially uh, after that nice rally in the 8th and ninth there. But thanks for having me on today. Yeah, it was a bit bit hectic building up to this. We originally had it scheduled for 5 o'clock, and then the game just kept dragging on. But yeah, with the result, I'm not necessarily complaining with that. For sure. Uh, we can uh, thank Tommy Hunter, Hector Neris, and, and Gabe Kapler for, for this podcast and its positive attitude going forward. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we're going to start off by discussing the Phillies series that's just happened. So, obviously, there was a 7-3 win on Friday, uh, lost 3-1 yesterday, and then, obviously, huge walk-off win today, rallied in the 8th and ninth inning. So, uh, did you have a particular player of the series? Um, well, it seems like you have to look uh, at Wilmer Defoe, the deciding game of the series, the deciding at-bat, uh, comes up with a big walk-off single off the previously productive closer Hector Neris for Philadelphia, now on a nine-game hitting streak, and he's proved to be quite the fill-in in the last uh, couple, couple weeks. As the, so I, I, would, I would look to him as the, the MVP. He's kind of an obvious guy, but... Uh, <laughs> How, how do you feel about that? I mean, pl- plenty of guys contributed in this series, not all, not necessarily the biggest names on the team, though. Yeah, it's definitely been some of the, uh, in inverted commas, Sky Chiefs that have stepped up in this series. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I initially had Matt Adams, who had hit the two home runs, but obviously the big walk-off hit changed everything. And then, um, yeah, he went four for ten this series. Uh, big home run, well, big home runners and it went far. It wasn't that big in the grand scheme of things yesterday. Um, and he's really someone that you can't put on the bench right now. Uh, you got to find I mean, a way to get him in. I think Murphy's a couple of weeks away. So do you see him at second base going down the line? I mean, that's the biggest thing with Wilmer Defoe in, in his career. And you wrote about Defoe uh, this morning. Uh, I know our old friend Drew Douglas, he wrote about, about this very topic with Defoe. Uh, earlier in the season, but he is a game-changing player, like uh, even an above-average bat when he is starting in the lineup. Entering today, actually through today, he's got an OPS over uh, uh, over like about 750 um, for his career as a starter. As a substitute, though, it's about 200 points lo- uh, um, lower than that. So he's really not much of a threat if, if he's not getting every day at bat. And Howie Kendrick, he's he, he's certainly a useful player, but there's definitely the, the uh, you, you have to be able to make room for Defoe uh, going forward. Yeah, I think you've got a few a few players you can shift around. Obviously, Anthony Rendon Rendon's now going to lock up third. Defoe might get a start here and there while Rendon's still coming back, but then you've got uh, Defoe and Kendrick who can go at second. Kendrick and Adams who can play in left, and then Adams and Zimmerman at first. So some mixture of those four players for those three spots. Um, right. And just ride the hot hand. Obviously, Defoe's the hottest of them all right now. 
Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we, we've seen it with this Nationals team uh, this year and last year. Someone's going to get hurt. So there, there's, there's, there should be always at least fairly regular at-bats for him. Like, even Eaton and Murphy are supposedly on their way back, but it's taking them longer. By then, someone else will probably go down, knowing, knowing the Nationals' <laughs> injury luck uh, over the last uh, two seasons. So if Defoe stays ready, there, there should be the A-Bs for him going forward. Yeah, it's uh, it's not one of the worst problems to have, having too many bats for spots in the lineup. Right, and I was kind of thinking about this earlier in in the in the Philadelphia uh, game on on Friday when they jump out to that big lead and uh, seven nothing in the second inning and, and they're rolling. Um, the inj- like all the injuries are kind of creating depth. Like when you watch the Boston Celtics, they're without Kyrie, they're without Gordon Hayward earlier without Jalen Brown, yet all these other guys are stepping up, and then you look forward like, oh, man, when Kyrie and Gordon Hayward come back, this team is going to be nine deep of all-stars. They're going to be just studs everywhere. And so it's it's not quite to that extent because when you look at guys like Defoe and Stevenson, they're not uh, quite the impact players that the Celtics might have and Tatum and Rozier and guys like that to, to go cross-sport analysis right now. Um, <laughs> but it certainly uh, has, has – is when, when you can get these guys every day at bats, it, it builds some confidence. Adams is making the most of his opportunity right now with, with Zimmerman a little bit banged up. And when those guys eventually come back, you hopefully have a full roster of, uh, of, of uh, offensive depth that you can, uh, you can throw at opposing pitchers. Yeah, it's definitely, um, definitely the case that there's going to be a lot of depth when you get Eaton Murphy to um, Murphy, perennial all-star in his years in D.C., and mm-hmm. Eaton was looking like he was on his way to being an all-star. So if you add that to a team who's now rolling and looks like they could contend for the div- division without them, bring them back, and you're in a pretty good spot. Uh, one of the themes that I think we really should touch on this series is the starting pitching. On the whole, they were excellent. So you had Tanner, uh, it was Gio Gonzalez first, then Tanner, then Max today, they went a combined 17 and two-thirds innings, only gave up three runs, and then 29 strikeouts. That was um, ridiculous. And obviously, everyone knows about Max Scherzer's effort today, 15 strikeouts in just seven, six and a third even. So what did you make of the starting pitch in this series? Oh, I mean, starting pitching's been great all season. Even, though it, even when you watch these guys, it, it kind of feels like they still have another level to go. Uh, Roark's been been good but we've seen him uh, a little better in years past but I mean not going to complain right now Gio's been very good right now pitching as well as he ever has Max Scherzer same with him Strasburg feels like he still has another kind of level to go uh, and hopefully we see that uh, in the first game of the Padres series we'll probably talk about that a little later but and then Hellickson I mean he's been well as I know we were talking about a little bit before the podcast he's been one of the one, one of the steals um, for this Nats team this season uh, so the, the starting pitching continues to be very good. It's been very good for the last five years. Uh, and it, it, it looks it, like it's going to be that going that way, um, for the rest of 2018 barring injury, which is good because the bullpen, especially the back half of the bullpen has not been very good and they have struggled to, I know FP talked about this on the broadcast. They have just not been able to, when the Nats are down two one. They they've been haven't been able to hold the lead. It gets to three one. It gets to four one. It just makes life so much harder on, on the the offense. So if the starting pitching they've been holding strong in these games for the first six or seven innings, then 
then they are certainly doing their part. We'll see if the rest of the team can do theirs. Yeah, I think it's um, at the start of the season, it was the offense letting down the starting pitching, and now it's kind of moving towards is the bullpen mm-hmm. up to scratch. So you get the likes of do we know what we're getting with Doolittle. Uh, I think right. Kinsler and Madsen. Madsen's done quite well, barring the six-inning blow-up against the Mets. I think, aside from that, he's got about a two ERA. And Kinsler's looked a lot better. But then the rest of it, when you have Torres, got uh, Sammy Solis has been okay in parts, I guess. Um, that might be something that the Nats have to look at uh, around the trade deadline. Right. I mean, that's why... Right. Like it was a very underrated move that the Brewers just let, or that that they picked up Matt Albers for a cheap deal, and and he's been pretty good for Milwaukee. But that's the type of guy, just like a like the fourth guy in your pen who can soak up uh, uh, innings when you're down two one in the seventh, keep the score at that at that level so you don't have to burn one of your top guys, and then you know get, still give your offense a chance. Offense rallied today, uh, but that was n- no thanks to. Uh, um, Solis, Kinsler, and then Carlos Torres giving up another home run in, in the eighth inning there. So they, they they certainly they don't. I mean, I don't know if they if there's a, a top guy that they're going to be able to get at the trade deadline, but they need just some find some answer for like the fourth or fifth guy in their bullpen because every time that they run one of those guys out there, it's it's not pretty. Yeah, and it's it's why we saw the likes of Madsen and Kinsler overworked a couple of weeks ago um, mm-hmm. with the bullpen. Probably the last name to touch on before we move on to looking ahead to the Padre series is Wanda Suero. So highly rated coming up from AAA. Uh, went two scoreless, but it was a bit iffy yesterday. Uh, what did you make to Suero? Is he someone who could fill that fourth or fifth bullpen role? I mean, I I'm not going to claim to know. He looked uh, looked pretty good in his first outing yesterday, or, or in his outing yesterday. Um, uh, I mean, he's not not like a big strikeout guy, which is concerning, because the Nats are Nats bullpen already gives up a lot of contact. But you might as well throw him out there because no one else is certainly working. Um, and if he can give you a couple months worth of three three and a half ERA uh, type type quality in that fourth fifth role, then I mean, the, the Nationals will certainly take that. Just take a little bit of relief off one of those uh, top three guys in in those. Uh, middle, like, seventh, seventh, eighth-inning type uh, situations. Yeah, I think one thing they're lacking right now is someone who will go multiple innings. I don't know if Carlos Torres used to be that guy, but he hasn't been used in more than one inning yet. And, I mean, Torres, he, he, he hasn't been used in more than one inning, but he seemingly gives up a, at least a run every inning. So, I mean, you don't really want him out there for more than one inning anyways. No, he's got a... It was a 6.35 ERA coming into today, and obviously that's gone higher with the run he did give up. Uh, so now we're going to look ahead to the Padre series. Uh, they're 12 and 22 so far at the bottom of the NL West, 10 and a half behind the Diamondbacks. Um, same old Padres of recent years, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so in their latest series against the Dodgers, they're playing a three-game series in Mexico. Uh, you might have heard about the first game that they played. They uh, they were no hit by the Dodgers. They had Walker Bueller, Tony Singrani, Yimmy Garcia, and Adam Libertor. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, they they were combined no hit on Friday. They won 7-4 on Saturday. First two batters got hit. Obviously, that's exactly what happens after you've been no hit. Uh, and I've got the game on now. 
and it's actually on, unlike the last time I tried to do this. They are nil nil. Is it nil nil zero zero? My being too English. <laughs> Either way, we'll, we'll take uh, it. Uh, so, have you got any particular players that you want to watch from the Padres? I mean, I mean, we might as well just start off with uh, right right away the Tyson Ross Steven Strasburg match matchup. Ross has uh, been a nightmare, uh, not, not this season, but in the last couple seasons. But this year, he's reverted back to his uh, his old ways. I mean, from 2013 to 15, I looked it up. He had the ninth best uh, ERA in the National League, so one of the best pitchers, a borderline all-star guy every single season uh, for that run there. Uh, Got a little injury prone from 2016 last year. But this year, back uh, back to his old ways, 3.28 ERA. Strikeouts are up, walks are down. He's really rebounded after a a poor last season in Texas, back back in San Diego. And... So they kind of have a uh, an ace first ace one a matchup with Strasburg and Ross on uh, in, in game one, and so I guess that's really if the Nationals or the, yeah if the Nationals can get by him the rest of the series should be pretty smooth sailing. Yeah, I think that's fallen the right way where you've got Strasburg matching up against Tyson Ross, and yeah, he's having a really nice bounce that year. He's two and two three two eight ERA, and he's got. 10 strikeouts per nine innings, which mm-hmm. that's definitely the old Tyson Ross that we saw. Uh, I think I've got a couple of players. My first one is Frenchy Cordero. He's one that the stat lovers absolutely love at the moment. He has the sixth highest exit velocity at six, 96.4 miles an hour. That's a mouthful. Um, but I think he struggles to put the bat on the ball at the moment. So uh, kind of having the same struggles as Ryan Zimmerman, not quite getting a handle on the zone. Uh, and then the other player I have is Christian Villanueva, who's been their MVP so far, hitting 277, nine home runs, 20 RBIs. So is there anyone on the offensive side of the ball that you're looking at? I mean, just going off of uh, Cordero right now, uh, looking at his, his, his line, striking out, as you said, 34% of the time. So Strasburg should be able to uh, carve him up there. It, with with a free swinger, but if he uh, if he makes contact with the ball, he's got six home runs this season. Uh, how many how many extra base hits? He's got a couple, couple more doubles, so he's really turned into a a, uh, a pretty solid power guy this season. So good eye to watch. And then I mean Eric Hosmer was their big offseason signing, uh, eight year deal, 144 million, and and he's had a nice a nice season to start the year. Um, Nothing, nothing too uh, outlandish, but a very Eric Hosmer type line hitting 293, getting on base, only four home runs this season, but he's had a couple more home runs in the in the last week, so maybe heating up there. So that that'll be their big bat to uh, to watch probably. Yeah, I like I like that term. It's a very Eric Hosmer line, <laughs> the nice batting average, <laughs> but not a whole lot of power. No, not, yeah, he's probably let down power. a bit by some of the let down a bit by some of the lesser guys where he can't get that RBI total up compared to his peak years in Kansas City. Right. He's been hitting second a lot this season. Uh, I know they've had a lot of struggles in, in that leadoff hole. Uh, their, young, their youngster, Manny Margot, he has, he has not had quite the season that he did last year, a former top prospect. So we'll see. Uh, um, maybe maybe the, uh, the, the tides will, will, will eventually turn for San Diego. They were a little more optimistic coming into the year. But so far, entering today's game, they had the second-worst OPS in the National League. Um, National starting pitching is rolling along right now. Strasburg going. Uh, 
this seems like a, a, another perfect series for the the Nationals to to really step on step on the gas and continue moving up the ladder in the National League East. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, some of the players for to watch on the Nationals this series. Obviously, we all know about Steven Strasburg, and it's another one of these homecomings going back to San Diego where he played uh, played college ball. It will be his fourth start at Petco Park. Um, so, do you see him having a proper bounce back because he's been a bit roughed up of late? Right. I mean, right. he he's been he's been good. He's been like a B a B grade so far. If I uh, through, through his first several starts of the season. Big issue has just been kind of bitten by the home run bug a little bit. Um, so, and San Diego, obviously a big park out there at Petco. So, may, uh, kind of keep the ball in the park. Uh, a weak offense. Maybe this is the 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 first the, the first time where he he puts up one of his best outings on the year and starts getting hot down the summer, or getting hot for the summer stretch. Yeah, I could definitely. Um, it's one of those that he probably has circled and right. I need to get this. Get it bounce, get mm-hmm. it bounce back. Go eight innings, shut them out. Um, and in terms of the offensive side, I want to see what the Nationals do at first base. They um, they face their first left-hander of the series, Clayton Richard. So, is that going to be a nice time for Matt Adams to get a breather? I mean, if if Zimmerman is ready to go, it would be. Uh, I mean, he sat out again today. Adams another big game, and it looked like Zimmerman was was going to come in to pinch hit. Instead, they they eventually, when the bases were loaded in the ninth inning, went with Severino. I don't know if Zimmerman uh, like tweaked something on his swing, or if he, uh, if as FP said, if they were looking for an extra base hit, they would have gone to the Zim, and it just with a single, they they can work with uh, Severino. So we'll have to see what the the issue is there. Um, Kendrick could also get some some uh, some at bats at, at first base, maybe give Defoe. Uh, so, um, some more playing time at second there. So I mean that that seems like no matter what he'll probably sit out in that game, especially because he's been playing a lot more recently. Uh, give him a rest day. But I mean Clayton Richard is if if he if Adams could face a lefty, I mean Clayton Richards would would be a good one to face. He's got an ERA of almost six and a half this season. So uh, <laughs> maybe get him some confidence against the southpaw potentially. Yeah, I think you got to. The thing is, you got to find excuses to give guys a breather at a time. And today was his first hit off a left-hander for right. the season. I think I think he was 0 for 8 coming into that. Um, so, yeah, it, it will depend on Ryan Zimmerman. I think he was legitimately on deck. I don't think he was a decoy. I think if it was still first and third with one out, they would want Zimmerman up there to drive it deep and get a sack fly rather than bases loaded. You probably want Severino, who's more likely to put mm-hmm. it in play, but maybe on the ground. Um so at least more gonna... likely to beat out a uh, at least more likely to beat out a double play. Zimmerman's not beating anything out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so now we're <laughs> going to take a look at each matchup individually. Obviously, we've given you a sneak preview of the first one. We've got Tyson Ross against Steven Strasburg Monday at ten past ten p.m. Eastern. So make sure you've got your caffeine ready. Uh, Steven Strasburg three and three with a three four seven ERA this season, and Tyson Ross, obviously, like we said, he's having a nice bounce back. Two and two with a three two eight ERA. Uh, so how do you see this one going? I think it's the marquee matchup on paper. For sure. I mean, uh, not to be too biased, but I think you have to go. I mean, you don't have to go, but I'm going to lean Nationals here. Uh, Strasburg. All all of his metrics have been good this season. His strikeouts are right in line. Over ten and a half, or almost ten and a half strikeouts per nine. Walks are good. 
Um, just re- really the only issue is home runs, where he's given up om- over one and a half home runs per nine innings, uh, one of the worst marks in, in uh, baseball this season. So I don't see anyone really on the Padres taking him deep, especially at Petco. So if, if he can just turn those home runs into fly balls, I think he rolls. I think the Nationals can scrape through a, scrape through a couple runs against Ross, especially coming off a, uh, a nice comeback win today against Philadelphia. So I'll go game one. Uh, Strasburg outduels Ross for a Nats victory. Yeah, I'm definitely – tend to side with that. I think I've got the Nats winning 4-2. Uh, like we say, it's the big marquee matchup. And, um, it, they do have some power bats, but again, if Strasbourg can keep the ball down, they're not going to hit him out of the park at Petco. I can vouch for it. It is huge when I went there. <laughs> it took me ages to get my seat up in right field. Um, yeah, <laughs> Tyson Ross might be one to watch who... Um, as we talk about, oh, the Padres might not hit for power. Eric Hosmer's just hit a two-run home run for them. Um, oh, there we go. But, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> there is some power. Uh, but, yeah, I tend to side with the Nets. So, second up, we've got Clayton Richard against Jeremy Hellickson, also at 10 past 10 Eastern time on Tuesday. Jeremy Hellickson still yet to record a decision, but a three-year RA, which is nice. And then we touched on Clayton Richard having a pretty ugly season that I could probably pitch better than one and four with a six, two, one ERA. So is this as one sided as it appears, or is this the one that the Padres might target against the Nats weakest starter? For most teams, I mean, this this is the the one you target, but the big question with Hellickson, and I think uh, we wrote about this earlier in the season, potentially, I'm I'm not positive, but uh, can Hellickson like work through, uh, work through an opposing lineup three, three times? They they pulled him in his last start uh, after five and a third just at 61 pitches because in his previous starts before that, any time he got to the, the third time through through the order, it just was getting, started getting roughed up. Um, so can – are the Padres the, the team where Hellickson can, can finally work through six innings, finally going deeper in, in, into a game and saving the bullpen? Yeah, it'll be uh, – it will certainly be an interesting one to watch, isn't it? It may depend on if the bullpen's needed on Monday. Hopefully, Strasbourg can go deep and keep the bullpen well-rested so that they can have a quick hook on Hellickson. But I think that's going to be the tale of uh, his start depth going forward, is the bullpen well-rested. Because as we saw in the Pirates series, they crushed the Pirates the two starts before. So they had enough uh, rest for the likes of Madsen, Doolittle, Kinsler. Right, yeah, they, and, that, and that start with Hellickson pulled him after five and a third, let Solis work the rest of the six, and then just handed it over to those those big three guys. And they did what, what they, they have done for the last uh, uh, half half season or so. So, I mean, you're right. It's probably situational. But I, I would – I mean, I'm, I'm hesitant to, to start buying in full-time on Hellickson, especially since he was pretty terrible last year. I mean, he was just getting bombed right and left, led the league in, in home runs allowed. Um, but Clayton Richard does not really seem too imposing. Uh, so I, I, I guess begrudgingly, I will, I will turn to the nationals for, for the, for winning this game as well. Yeah, I've got the same. Um, I think you might need a spare pen if you're going to get the scorebook out. I think there could be quite a few runs in this one. <laughs> so you get, yes. you get some, you get some of the lefty bats in the Padres. So 
Hosmer left-handed, obviously hitting the home run literally just now. Um, and they might be able to pounce on him, but obviously Clayton Richard is not exactly the most imposing foe. So I've got 10-6 Nationals. They can have a nice big blowout uh, and keep keep the run going. I think this is gonna this is one of the series that if you really want to make that next step up in the National League East from where they were, they want to be looking for the sweep. For sure, for sure. Uh, so finally, we have Joey Lucchese. I know that's pronounced right because he was the starter I went to watch at the Padres uh, <laughs> against Gio Gonzalez uh, on Wednesday at 9.10 Eastern. Gio Gonzalez, 4-2 and two with a 2-3-3 ERA. And Joey Lucchese, 3-2 with a 3-1-3 ERA. So how do you see this one going? Lucchese's been good this season. Uh, good strikeout numbers. And so, I mean, we talked about Ross earlier. Generally, the, the Padres, they have the worst starting rotation in terms of ERA in the National League, but it just so happens that the Nats are running into two their top two starters in the series, so not exactly getting to straight, just bludgeon them like, uh, like other teams have uh, throughout the season. Um, so Lucchese is certainly a formidable foe. Uh, but for the Nationals, Gio is probably having his best season since 2012 when he, when he really broke out in Washington. He was very good last season, but kind of was getting a little bit lucky uh, in terms of like leaving runners on and stranding them. This year, his strikeouts are up. His walks are, are still at an acceptable level if he's going to strike out that many guys. Um, so tough lefty, especially um, maybe Gio can, can limit Hosmer. I mean, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I guess it, on paper, it looks like the Nationals should sweep the Padres, which would make it, what, 10 out of 11 wins? projecting for that just just feels just feels wrong and so i kind of want to say that lucchese <laughs> and the padres will, will pull this one out just so i'm not saying that they uh the nats win, win three straight but i really have have no reason to believe that yeah i i hate predicting for the nationals to sweep it it feels wrong like right you say you don't want to be that guy who's oh yeah we're going to win every we're going to go 162 and oh uh but yeah it's a, <laughs> Just, I think it's just the way it lines up. If, say, Hellickson had come across Tyson Ross uh, in a matchup, then maybe that would have been one that they look at. But their best pitcher, Tyson Ross, gets Steven Strasburg, and then their number two gets Gio Gonzalez, who I looked at. He's got quite a high whip so far this season, but then his field in independent pitching is 2.57. So it is kind of legit. And then you say, like you say, the strikeouts are there, so... Maybe maybe it's something to do with his contract year. Yeah, uh, and Lucchese, I mean, he he's got he's got a respectable walk rate, um, and it is, his whip is his is, is not great. So maybe the Nationals who are who came in uh, to today leading baseball in in walks per nine, maybe they can uh, th- then work, work Lucchese jump on the on the Padres uh, bullpen early, um, but. I mean, that's another game, just like we saw today. That could be a uh, an old-school starting pitching matchup where you're looking at one nothing, 1-1, something like that after six, seven innings. Yeah, I think the, when I went to see him, the pitcher Lucchese reminded me of is Tanner Roark. Obviously, the command's not been mm-hmm. quite to Roark's level, but he seems to be steady, middle of the road, the kind of start that you want at three and four. Um, it'll get you more or less a quality start every time. So he's a, I do like the case. He's a good pitcher, and 
I think yeah. if I had to predict, I would go the Nationals to win 3-2. to two. So, like you say, a low-scoring game. So, we both predict a sweep. That just feels dirty. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't. <laughs> Something's going to go horribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Strasburg will give up eight, six home runs. <laughs> um, I think the, the one last Padres player I want to touch on is Brad Hand. Obviously, he's been one of the elite relievers ever since he moved to the bullpen from the rotation. Is he someone that you could see the Nationals pursuing at the trade deadline? Sure. I mean, I I think the Nationals should be kicking the tires on any and all relievers uh, just because I don't think they have the relief depth to really, I mean, we're looking into October for a team that's one game over 500, but um, I don't really think they have the, the relief depth to match up necessarily in the postseason, especially when you're kind of looking at quicker hooks for starting pitchers. Um, bullpen, like, management has kind of been the like the playoff, uh, I don't know, role du jour, people going going to their bullpens for the last four, four or five innings we've seen uh, in, in recent years. And I, I don't think the, the Nationals would be capable of winning a game like that. I just don't think they have the, the arms to do it. So Brad Hand, certainly a quality pitcher. I mean, high strikeout guy this year, almost 14 strikeouts per nine, good ERA. I mean, he's a guy that the Padres should be trading. I just don't know, like, if the Nationals have the like the trade pieces to really pull something like that off. Yeah, I, d- I do think he's someone that they should be looking at. Um, I think the only reliable lefty you've got in there at the moment is Doolittle. Obviously, I'm a... I'm a big fan of Solis. He's done quite well in spells, but then he has random appearances that he just blows up. So if you can get Brad Hand in there, and then you're starting to build a bullpen similar to what the Indians had when they went to the World Series, mm-hmm. when they had Andrew Miller, Cody Allen, Brian Shaw all dominating at the back end. So then if you pick him up, especially in October again, you said it as well, it's too early to be talking about October, but if you <laughs> want to look down the line, I think the Padres were willing and if you can give them, say, a Michael Taylor or a Brian Goodwin who's major league ready, who can go in there, then it may turn into a tempting package for them. Yeah, last year I remember I wrote an article um, talking about one of my first for District on Deck talking about um, trading Michael A. Taylor for Kelvin Herrera from Kansas City. Uh, and I still think that can kind of be a package, but right now, I mean, Taylor's hitting under 200. He looks just lost at the plate, so I don't know how much value he has. Um, but it, it's going to take a real piece to get Brad Hand. I'm just looking. He's signed through – he's got a club option through 2021. So he's got a lot a lot of uh, a lot of time left on his deal, so you're not just trading for a pure rental. Um, so then after, you're gonna, either going to have to part with a real prospect, which they don't really have much of in like kind of below the like Victor Robles or Juan Soto type of, uh, of, of, of tier. So I don't really know if there's a, a necessarily a matchup unless maybe Taylor picks it up and he becomes expendable. Mm. Yeah. I think Taylor's trade value was at its peak during the off season. And it was something that Mark Zuckerman wrote that I was thinking before that, that they should have traded Taylor when you have Eaton Harper and you had Robles, Coming up, obviously, that's not quite gone to plan because of the injury. But then Michael mm-hmm. A. Taylor's fallen back into the old Michael A. Taylor this season. Right. I mean, right. I guess just to, I, uh, to play devil's advocate on myself, because I also thought they should have traded Taylor, it's that 
the the guys that you have in the outfield, Taylor included, are are pretty injury prone. Harper, we've seen him miss a ton of time. Eaton coming off an ACL tear, already missing time. I mean, and, and Robles, I guess you, you were you're not projecting him for injury necessarily, but here he is uh, out for uh, a substantial amount of time. So I guess just trying to keep keep the window open for as long as possible. And they thought maybe Taylor was taking that next step. I don't know, but I, I was never a big Michael A. Taylor fan. Um, th- this is he's going to play better than he is right now. But I don't I don't know if he's going to get to back to his level that he did last season when he was a legitimate uh, above average center fielder. Hmm. Um, so now we're pretty much done wrapping up the Padres series and we're going to move on to some listener questions uh, so one we have is from the Nationals Post and he says has Defoe earned a starting role I think we touched on that before but has he earned a pretty much permanent starters role getting six or seven starts a week at least for the foreseeable future I mean he's earned it he's played well enough uh, I think Martinez and I think a lot of managers would, would like really like Howie Kendrick, like a veteran presence. Um, and so the, uh, I, I don't, I'm not sure how they're going to do that. Maybe a, a semi platoon of, of sorts. Um, Defoe can't really play the outfield. I mean, I know they, they've tried him out there, right? Like, like last season, it just didn't that, really go that, that go that well. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I don't really know if you can put him in left field until Eaton comes back. Um, he's earned the starting role. I just don't know if the the time the time is there for him. Yeah, I maybe, maybe it, he's uh, maybe when while we're talking about trade pieces, maybe even he's a trade piece once Murphy comes back and you don't have enough uh, playing time for him. Maybe you can move him. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's an interesting one. You could deal him, and obviously he's been really impressive. But then you're leaving yourself open for next season if Murphy leaves. Right. Yes. I mean, that's a, that's a good point. I'm not sure if you can resign or if you want to resign Murphy off the injury. Um, so I guess Defoe is penciled in as maybe the starting second baseman next year. Uh, I'm not sure how confident the Nationals would be in, in that, but, um, but, 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 but we'll see. He's played well, he's played, he's played well this season and he played well last season. Yeah, I think he's, at the very least, what he's done is he's gone to the Nationals organization that I'm here. If you don't re-sign Murphy, I can handle second base, but low in the lineup, potentially. So maybe stick him at nine, where obviously he's been thriving and getting on as the second leadoff here. So I think that's mm-hmm. the least he's done. Obviously, this season, the numbers may not add up, given you've still got Murphy, Harper, both out of contract at the end of the year. Right, right. Uh, and then the final listener question is, uh, I think we had it last week as well, but how long will Bryce be leading off for? Obviously, we uh, we talked about it before we came live, and he's been slumping. I think he's hitting about 246 at the moment. So do you see the experiment lasting? Um, I don't know. Martinez is out of this Madden role where he just likes to tinker and tinker. Um, I don't really know how much it matters if he's hitting first, Second, third, fourth. He just needs to hit a little better, hit better than he is right now. Uh, so I'd say I don't, especially if by the end of the month Eaton and Murphy are back in the fold. I don't think it will. Uh, I don't think he'll be hitting leadoff. Um, say by like June or July, I don't think he'll still be in the leadoff role. I don't mind him in the leadoff role as we saw. We see with Boston, Mookie Betts is thriving in it. 
and I don't mind having a power guy there. Uh, but I just don't think it necessarily will will continue this way um, for the for the rest of the summer. Yeah, I wonder if they may flip him and Turner around so back Turner lead off while Eaton still out have Harper at two. I know uh, all the stat gurus say you put your best hitter at two, even though he's not necessarily the best hitter at the moment. Is that something you could see? Yeah, I've always advocated for him hitting second, um, especially with Rendon back to go Turner, uh, Bryce, Rendon. That's a pretty formidable top three. And then if you're playing a righty that day, put Adams at four with how hot he is, how hot he is right now. Uh, that, and then maybe Defoe at that nine hole with the pitcher hitting eighth. That means you're going Defoe, Turner, Bryce, Rendon, Adams with uh, probably those are your five best hitters right now. Uh, and that means you're throwing a lot, throwing a lot of offensive firepower at the uh, opposing pitchers. Um, so I, I would definitely support that lineup. Um, we'll see what Martinez does. He, he's definitely willing to move uh, to move guys around. He's got shown no qualms about doing that. So we'll see. Yeah, I think it may be a good time to change it up in the second game of the series when you're facing a left-hander. Um, because mm-hmm. I think you're going to mix out there to rest some of the righties, get a lefty in, like maybe get Stevenson in to start a game. No, other way around. Um, get a right-hander, so maybe maybe even Bautista starts Severino. So then you're mixing it up on Tuesday, and you can get to that lineup having Turner top, Bryce two, Defoe nine on Wednesday the day after. I, I fully support manager Blake Finney, so I, I'm, I'm all in. <laughs> You should have seen my record in uh, in the UK. I think I, I think I had a losing record and made the playoffs. <laughs> well, that, that's okay. That's okay. That's a playoff appearance. That's all. That's all that matters. <laughs> uh, so I think that wraps us up for this week. I'd like to say thanks to Brian for joining me today. Uh, we had a <laughs> we had a lot of fun, especially after the walk off win. So, where can our listeners find you? Um, you can follow me on Twitter at. Uh, Brian D. Foley, um, and then also at obviously at District on Deck website where I try and write once a week. I should probably start writing more than that to, to give uh, to give Blake a hand. But at least once a week, you can find me there. Hopefully, breaking down some numbers coming up here on uh, on, on some article that I choose in the next couple of days on Monday or Tuesday. So hopefully, I have some up soon. Sounds good. Uh, so remember to check out some of our content this week. Uh, I wrote an interesting piece on whether the, the Nationals should pursue Matt Harvey after he was DFA'd by the Mets. Uh, you'll have to read it to find out my opinion. I don't want to <laughs> give it away. Um, what are your thoughts on that just uh, before we finish up? Uh, on Harvey? Uh, um, yeah. Well, I, I don't want to do. I don't want to force you force your hand to give away your your story. But I would say no. Stay away from him. Um, uh, he seems kind of like uh, he's obviously injury issues, and he's nowhere near the same pitcher on the mound. But definitely not this. It will bring uh, some locker room tor- turmoil. That's are rolling along right now. They've got Hellickson working for however long that works. I say you just ride with it. No need to sh- shake the bottle and trying to bring in uh, the former Dark Knight. So I, I would say no go on that. Yeah, I think with the with the bottom of the rotation in the current state if it was in a bit more turmoil then it might be someone you look at but yeah I think at the moment you don't want to shake things up 
I mean, and, and Harvey has been awful for the last three seasons. So it's not like I don't even know how much juice there is left in that arm. He just is nowhere near the same guy. No, definitely. Uh, so finally, remember to follow us on Twitter at District on Deck. Uh, give us a like on Facebook. I'm now getting the content back up and running there. So give us a like there. You can follow us on Blog Talk Radio. You get an email reminder when we're about to go live. Uh, and you can also subscribe on iTunes, which has been quite popular. So you get all your episode, all the episodes automatically downloaded for you the next morning. We'll be back on Thursday before the Diamondback series. So I hope you have all your caffeine ready. I've got my local Dunkin' Donuts. So I'll be paying the trip there before the games. Uh, and we'll see you then. <laughs>